Hi, my name's Trish McCarthy, and I am the host of the Chasing Squirrels Testimonies of Active Faith podcast, and I'm really excited that you are listening today. Today is a squirrel episode. Some of my favorite episodes are the squirrel episodes, the ones that aren't planned, because I know that um, I just get excited when these things happen, because they're so unexpected and and surprising, and I just love how God works. I had no idea when I woke up this morning that I would be sharing this. Don't you just love how He's just so full of surprises? In fact, I just I actually read something earlier this earlier this morning in the Draw the Circle Forty Day Prayer Challenge book that my dear friend Tara asked me to do with her again. She asked me to read it with her again. If you're a regular listener, you've probably heard me actually refer to this book numerous times. Because it has literally changed my life. Um, well, actually, the book itself didn't change my life, but the putting into practice the prayer strategies and simply just praying, like having a rich, full prayer life, that's, that's what's changed my life, which is what the book is all about. And But I will say that there was one little moment in time, and you may have heard a couple episodes uh, about this that I actually ended up deleting, where I had... I, I just was uncertain about some something in the book. And I had Googled the author's name, Mark Batterson, and I found a bunch of different articles criticizing him and this book, the authorship, which you can Google anyone and just find just junk. I go, After that, I Googled some of my other like favorite authors and just Christian like heroes, giants, uh, Billy Graham, um, Lisa Turkhurst, uh, Beth Moore, like there's, there's just, there's always going to be critics. So anyway, I, I panicked though when I thought, when I found that stuff, because I'm, I would never, ever, ever want to recommend something on this podcast that is not aligned with the word of God or that isn't uh, full of truth. And so anyhow, after reading more reviews, doing more research, praying about it myself, I have concluded that for me personally, this book has been a game changer. It's changed my life and I can wholeheartedly recommend it. Um, I decided not to allow the voice of all those critics to drown out the voice of truth. And the truth is, it's based on truth. And Mark Batterson, he loves the Lord. He's passionate about prayer and he wants to share and he has shared this, uh, what the Lord's put on his heart about prayer, and it's changing people's prayer lives, which is in turn just changing. It's changing the world. It really is. Um, so there's great testimonies out there. So anyhow, um, I just, I, that being said, if, if you don't have the book, I highly recommend getting it, but don't just get it and let it sit, sit on a shelf. I don't know about you, but sometimes I have a tendency to do that. I have a lot of books that I get excited about and I never read it. This is when you're going to want to pick up and you're going to want to get a journal and you're going to want to, um, it's a, it's an active, you're going to be engaging with this book and doing a lot of active things. So go get the book and then read it and then read it again. And again, <laughs> I'm actually currently reading it for the fourth time and I could talk for hours on here about all that the Lord has done each time that I've entered into that 40 day prayer challenge. And I could talk even just longer about just how my entire prayer life has been transformed. And there's so many specific things that have happened, but how it's just changed the way that I approach prayer. So, okay, back to what I read this morning in the book. Uh, day 16, the title was Lord Surprise Me. And it said this, God always has a holy surprise up his sovereign sleeve. And when we pray, 
God throws surprise parties. And I could sit here and talk for hours again about all the different things that he's done just in these last 16 days and especially about some of the surprise parties he's thrown. Exciting stuff. Um, But for now, I'm just going to share the sweet surprise that I received from this morning, which is what caused me to hop on here and record this episode. So I woke up this morning around 3 a.m., happens a lot to me. Sometimes uh, when this happens, it's because there's a need for me to go to the bathroom. (laughs) Uh, Sometimes it's from a dream. Sometimes it's from the Holy Spirit. This morning was a Holy Spirit alarm clock wake-up call. So I got out of bed and I went to my favorite spot on the couch, the spot where I sit to meet with my Jesus each morning. I first spent some time in prayer asking him what our time would look like this morning I think I've mentioned this before. He's really taught me that this time with him is so sacred and that I need to enter into it each and every day. Uh, Not only do I need to, but I really want to. Like, I love spending that time with him. But he's also taught me that it doesn't have to look a certain way each time. Uh, In the past, I've kind of had this formulaic way of approaching it. Like, I would pray, I would read the Bible, write down verses that stood out to me, and then pray and journal about those and thank him for that for that, and ask him how he wants to, wanted to apply it to my life. And I did that for years, and it, it ministered to me in so many sweet ways, and it helped me, and it grew me. So then I, in my little finite human mind, I thought, well, then I must always need to do it that way. But no, he's, he's reminded me that he is a creative God, and he wants me to allow him to change things up every now and then. And it's great. It's fun. It's surprising. So this morning after praying, he led me to one of my emptying journals. And let me just press pause for a second on the story and put in one more plug for journaling. If you have not been journaling, if you have a journal, but you haven't picked it up and you're not journaling, just do it. (laughs) Just do it. It'll change your life. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. And I mean, I have a bunch of journals going at once. I have journals for different things. But just pick up one. I mean, there's so many things you can journal about, ways you can journal. But just just pick up a journal and write. Write something that he puts on your heart. Okay. So back to this morning. I So I begin uh, rereading one of these umpteen journals. And I find this entry from a recent entry from February 15th, the day after Valentine's Day. I don't even remember writing this, which is evidence to me that the words were not my own. And this is often the case. When I go back and reread my prayer journals, it, it's amazing to me. I, I'm like, wow, I don't remember writing that. And, and for me, that just points to the truth that's in Romans 8, 26 and 27, and it's, which says this, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And as I read it, um, it just was so exciting because it it was definitely, um, a lot of it was uh, rooted in the word and I could hear his voice and... um, just amazing. So all we have to do, we he, he intercedes for us. All we have to do is open our mouth, or in this case, pick up the pen. So this specific entry from this day was a prayer written in a prophetic form. 
And like I said, I didn't remember writing it. And, but as I reread it, it encouraged me and it edified me so much for today, even months later, that I knew that, that he was wanting me to share it with you also so that you too could be, an, could be encouraged and edified this morning. And then he also had reminded me that prophecy, the gift of prophecy, is one of my spiritual gifts. And so I knew that before I actually share the prayer and pray it over all of us, uh, he wanted me to just take a little time and teach about the spiritual gifts and why he has given them to us. So I, and I couldn't remember exactly which book of the Bible this teaching is in, um, but I, I knew he would lead me to it in, in, in true uh, God fashion. He did. I prayed and he led me right to 1 Corinthians and lo and behold, chapter 12 is all about spiritual gifts. So uh, before I share the prayer, I'm going to do that at the very end. I want to go ahead and just spend a little time seeing what he says. What does the word say about spiritual gifts? And uh, I'm going to insert this real quick. I recently completed a, a little course in a, in a long two-year class that I'm taking at church, a leadership class. This course is, is called hermeneutics. And what that is, it's just a real fancy word for the science and art of interpreting scripture. So a lot of us read, you know, read the Bible, but there's more to the, that than just reading the Bible. We should be studying it and interpreting it accurately so that we can know how to apply it to our lives. And there's very specific, very correct uh, ways to do that, which is what we learned in this hermeneutics class. And I think for me, and there's so much, I'm not going to go over all of it, obviously, but one of the most important things to keep in mind is that when we're looking at scripture, whether it's one verse or passage or even a, a whole chapter, even a whole book, we have to Uh, look at the entire context of the verse, of the passage, of the chapter, of the book. Taking verses out of context is super dangerous and we need to be really careful. I know I've done that. I know I have. I'm like, oh, that verse sounds like it'll meet this need today or that sounds like it'll be perfect for this and I might even share it with somebody when in fact I've probably shared it out of context and it doesn't even apply to their situation, situation. So anyway, we just, we need to be careful and make sure that we understand uh, the specific verse or verses in light of, um, like I said, the chapter, the book, the entire story of redemption that's woven throughout the whole Bible. So I am going to share one, one of the important principles that we learned, and that is the historical context principle. Um, and it's, it's this, all the words of scriptures were written by individuals, inspired by God, obviously, to particular people at a particular time. Therefore, the more accurately we construct the historical setting, the more accurately we will understand the word. So we discover the background text by asking questions related to its historical, cultural, political, and geographical background. And the this would include questions like, who is the author? When did he write it? Where did he write it from? To whom did he write it and why? What was happening to the people he wrote it to? Those are just some examples. So I am going to go ahead and put into practice what I just finished uh, learning in my hermeneutics class. And I'm, I'm going to do my best to reconstruct the historical setting of First Corinthians for us. So first question, who was the author and when and where did he write from? 
The book of 1 Corinthians is one of Paul's epistles, and an epistle is a writing directed or sent to a person or group of people, usually an elegant and formal didactic letter. Now, I'll be honest, I had to look up that word didactic when I was looking up this definition, and this is what it means, uh, designated or intended to teach, particularly in having moral instruction. So who is the author? When and where did he write it? He, Paul is the author. Uh, the, the literary text is an epistle. It's a letter intended to help teach or give some moral instruction to a group of people. Uh, if you're not, I'm going to tell you just a little bit about Paul. If you're not familiar with him, here's a little background. He was a Jew who hated Jesus and hated Christians, so much so that he used to murder them. And until, until God, but God, right, he received a vision of the resurrected Jesus who commissioned him to be the apostle to the Gentiles or the non-Jews. And then after that, he began loving Christians and loving Jesus and spent the rest of his life telling other people about him and sharing the good news. And his teachings are truly some of my favorites in the Bible. Uh, part two of that, that question is when and where did Paul write from? So I found a really helpful PDF as I was researching, which illustrates the timeline of Paul's ministry. And it indicates it's got like the 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 components of his ministry, his three different missionary journeys, and then when he was imprisoned. And, and then underneath that, it's got, it lines up with the specific epistles that he wrote. It's a really helpful PDF. So I'm going to go ahead and link Send, put the link in the show notes. Um, so anyway, what I learned by, by just studying that is that this particular epistle, um, 1 Corinthians, that I'm going to be teaching from today, was written towards the end of Paul's third missionary journey in Ephesus. And it was approximately around 55 or 56 AD. So about 55 years after um, Jesus died. And to whom did Paul write and why? Paul wrote this letter to the church at Corinth where he had previously previously spent 18 months during his second missionary journey. And the reason he wrote this letter was twofold. The first reason was that they, the Corinthians, had written to him seeking advice on a number of problems within the church. So some of them saw the problems and they wanted to get Paul's advice. And then number two, he had received some really disturbing news about just division among the the Corinthians and sin in the congregation and therefore he wrote to answer their questions and then to also correct the problems that he had heard about. And then the last question, what was happening to the people that he wrote to? So those reports that Paul received, it, it was that there were divisions and much sin in the congregation. Like I said, I'll, I'll just share a few of them, uh, gross sexual immorality, incest, uh, prostitution, lawsuits between Christians in front of unbelievers, so a lot of disunity, um, factions among the church, marriage problems, abuse of the Lord's Supper, uh, disorderly conduct during worship, heresies about the afterlife. And then in chapter 12, which is where I'll be teaching from today, Paul addresses the issue of their improper use or abuse of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So now that we have a pretty good understanding of the historical context, let's go ahead and dive in. Um, I'm not going to read the entire chapter 12, but uh, I am going to read the first chunk of it. So, But before I do that, I want to go ahead and pray. 
Lord, we thank you so much for your word, for the power of your word to transform our lives. You tell us that it is useful for so many things, especially for correcting, for teaching and training in righteousness, and that it doesn't return void. And I pray, Lord, that as I read your word, each person listening would hear your voice, not mine. Lord, um, open our ears and our hearts to what you have for us today so that we can be doers of your word and not just hearers only. Thank you, Lord. I pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, so let me get... Sorry, pull this up on my phone. Okay, I'm going to read, this is chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. And if you don't have the Blue Letter Bible app yet, I know I've plugged that a few times. I love this app. Uh, You should download this app. And I am looking on my my screen. You can choose two different translations to see side by side, which I absolutely love. On the left side, I have the NASB. And then on the right side, I have the New Living Translation. It's the first translation I ever read. Um, It's near and dear to my heart, and it's uh, very easy uh, to read and understand, and I I really like some of the language in that. So I'm going to, most of what I read today is going to be from there, but I will go back and forth. So here we go. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 11. Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another person, the same Spirit gives a message of of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another, and to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles, and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Okay, so I'm going to uh, jump into the teaching, and I'm going to talk about three things that, that we hear throughout this passage. The source of our gifts, the selflessness of our gifts, and the specialness of our gifts. So I'm going to go ahead and start with source. So in verse 4, it says, There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. And that word different um, in Greek is pronounced Diadesis, diadesis. I had to look it up in that in that blue letter Bible app. You can there's an interlinear button where you can look up every single word in the original Hebrew and Greek, and you can get the definitions and the pronunciations. And that is that's a really um, important thing to do because sometimes, obviously, in our translation, it, it just translates different. So to find out what the original intent of the, the word is, we need to know that too, the original meaning. So 
So that word, what it means is distribution or distinction, division, not like the bad division like that was taking place in the form of factions within the Corinthian church, but more like a, a, a divvying up, like an equal distribution. Of. And so um, hearing this, I'm going to read it one more time. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. So from that, we can conclude that um, if we possess the Holy Spirit, the helper that Jesus gave us, the day that we asked him into his hearts, we also possess gifts of the Spirit and the source. He's the one who gives them to us. I I can remember in uh, third or fourth grade, my my best friend Shauna and I being pulled out of our classroom to be tested for the gifted program, and I'm doing air quotes around gifted. She qualified, and I didn't. And as a young child, eight years old, this crushed me, and it, and it impacted me for a long time. And what happened right after that is I instantly began comparing. You know, why, why, why is she in this program and I'm not? Like, well... I'm not as smart as Shauna. I'm not as creative as Shauna or I'm not gifted, whatever that means. And also like she gets to leave the room and go do all these really cool, fun projects. And so I'm comparing like what she gets to do to what I get to do. Like, well, that doesn't seem right. (laughs) That doesn't seem fair. And it just, it just felt yucky. So whatever, apparently like in whatever gift was Shauna had was not bestowed upon me. And so as a child, and uh, even as a parent, you know, I have a teaching background. I have always hated that they label students with that word gifted and they call it the gifted program and and then some don't get the label. And I, I personally believe that all children are gifted in one way or another. That's just my personal teacher opinion. I'm not teaching that's this is not in the bible this is just me and my personal opinion and i'm on my soapbox and i'm going to step off now so but god's word said this says this if you have the holy spirit you are gifted you don't have to go through a series of iq tests to see if you qualify for god's talented and gifted program you don't have to you know rearrange the the pieces and put things together i don't know they have the, all these fancy tests that to see if you're gifted you don't have to do any of that you are gifted. He's absolutely giving you, given you gifts. And why? Well, because he absolutely wants you to use them. So that, that's going to bring us to the second point, which is uh, the selflessness of gifts. That's hard to say. Selflessness of gifts. This verse 7 right here tells us why he's gifted us. A spiritual gift is given to each other so we can help each other. And then that's the new, the new Living, the NASB translation says, but to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So we aren't given the gift so we can keep it to ourselves. We share it with others. We aren't given the gift to show off or toot our own horns or make ourselves look good. We use it to build one another up, to edify the church. And this is what wasn't happening in Corinth at the time, which is why Paul was addressing this in his epistle. Edify, here's a definition of edify. 
It's defined as to instruct someone in a way that enlightens them or uplifts them morally, spiritually, or intellectually. And that, that wasn't happening. They were using them, uh, they were kind of showing, showing them off in the streets. They were not using them for the purpose of what these verses say, to edify and for the common good. And that's why Paul is addressing that uh, here with them. So that is the selflessness. They are not for us. They're not to edify ourselves. It's not for our own good. It's for the good of other people. So, And then the specialness of gifts. And as I read this next chunk of scripture again, I want you to please just listen carefully and see if you might be able to identify any of your own personal spiritual gifts. And if not, no worries. You may... You may already know what they are, but you may not, and maybe you're wondering. So just, I want you to just kind of just sit back, listen carefully, get your ears tuned, and see if maybe one or two stand out to you as I read. These, this is verses 8 through 11. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives gives great faith to another, and to someone else, the one spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles, and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages or tongues, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. And I'm going to read the last verse in the NASB as well. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. So... We know the Spirit's the source. He, he distributes and he gives us these gifts as he wills. And then listen to that word individually. We each get a gift. So unlike the public school system where only a select few are labeled as gifted or intellectually gifted, we learn here that each and every one of us who belongs to Jesus is labeled as spiritually gifted. However, we don't all possess the same gift, and it's not up to us to decide which gift we'll receive. The Holy Spirit alone does that. But it is up to us to discover what our individual giftings are, and then it is up to us to use them for the edification of the body of Christ. So how about you? Do you know what gifts the Holy Spirit has given you? When, you, when I was reading those passages, those scriptures, did you hear, did anything resonate with you? Um, maybe you've taken a spiritual inventory test or maybe somebody's told you or maybe you just know. Like you, you know because you use them and you see the Holy Spirit. You see them manifested in your life and, you, and you're, you're already exercising those gifts. So anyway, it is up to you. It's up to me to discover what those gifts are so that we can we can use them. Now, I'm going to wh- whether you do know your gifts today or whether you don't, I am going to encourage you to do the following things. Number 1, pray 
and ask the Lord to reveal to you. Ask him to show you what your gifts are. Either ask him to reveal it to you or maybe just to confirm it. Maybe you already know, you think you know, but ask him to confirm that for you. He's creative. He's not going to keep this a mystery either. He doesn't want to keep us in the dark. He wants us to know our gifts because he wants us to use them. So number one, pray, ask him to either reveal or confirm what your gifts are. Number two, take a spiritual gifts inventory to help you identify your gifts and then learn more about each one. I'm going to go ahead and put another link in the show notes to one that I really believe to be really simple and spot on. It's not one of those long, long, long ones, but I took it. I've had a lot of people on a recent retreat take it, and it was really, really accurate. And I love the descriptions. When you go to the website, you can find descriptions of all the gifts, and it's it's very good. So I'm going to share that. Look for that in the show notes. Um, so so that's number two, take an, a gift, spiritual gifts inventory. And then number three, learn more about your gifts. And Pray about that too. You know, ask the Lord, how how do you want me to grow in this area? And unfortunately, some churches are just better at others than cultivating the gifts of the Spirit. And if you don't feel like your gifts are being cultivated, pray and ask the Lord to help you. Ask him, ask him to teach you personally. That's what I that's what he did for me. Or um, ask him to point you in the right direction to someone or something online that can that can really help you learn how to cultivate uh, those those gifts. So for me personally, my gift, one of my gifts is prophecy. And this gift was sadly not cultivated. In fact, it was even dismissed at one church. Um, but I'm so happy I got I'm in a new church now and um, this one, it's it's just it's not only um, accepted and recognized, but they're doing a great job of helping me continue to cultivate and exercise that gift. Like I'm encouraged to exercise that gift within the body of Christ. So that's when I, that's when I really began to start exercising the gift with peace and joy and, and freedom. I was exercising it before going to this church, but it it really wasn't easy. And honestly, and those of you who have this gift of prophecy or word of knowledge, you, you might relate to this. I felt a lot, not a little crazy. I felt a lot crazy at times. And especially when there was nobody really helping me and telling me, yeah, this, you're hearing from the Lord. Um, and so I, uh, one another thing that I would do, and this might help you, is I would seek out other people that I knew had my same gifting. You'll, you'll know, you'll, you'll just, you'll just know um, if there's another uh person that is like you. (laughs) So I would urge you to ask again, just pray and ask God to point you towards those people, towards those right people. And then number four, lastly, (laughs) surprise, surprise, pray some more. Ask him to show you how he wants you to exercise your gifts. Because like we, you know, like I said earlier, it's, they're not for us to hide. We don't um, we don't keep them to ourselves. We need to share them for those, the sole purpose of edifying and encouraging the body of Christ. So um, I, I did want to share, let's see where I lost my place here. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to end with the, the prophetic prayer that he gave me. And at the time that I wrote it, 
I'm sure it, it was something that the Lord was speaking directly like to me for my own, you know, building up. But when I read it again this morning, uh, he reminded me that, um, you know, our gifts should be used to serve other people. And and I, I'm, like I said, I've, this is getting cultivated, this gift, and I, I use it uh, when he prompts me for other people. In this, in this case, it was something that he had me just write for myself. But when I read it this morning, I was like, well, Lord, this is not just for me. This is, this is for, this is to be shared. And so uh, just real quickly, before I share the prayer, let me give you a definition of the gift of prophecy, if you're not familiar with it, just so you understand. The gift of prophecy is a special ability to speak forth the message of God. A prophet is basically a spokesman for God. He or she delivers the word of God to people by means of direct revelation. Prophetic utterances can deal with certain individuals, the church, or a larger context. It does not always refer to the future. The word is used far more to proclaim the word of God rather than to predict the future. And that sentence, let me explain that since you can't see it in text. I'm going to read it again. The word, lowercase w, that's the rhema word. That is a word that is spoken by God. That is not the same as the actual, the logos or logos, the word written down, the word of God. So it's two different types of words. That's a fun word study if you want to go a little deeper on that one. But the word that that the 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 person with the gift of prophecy receives from him is used far more to proclaim the word of God. So you, so when you hear my prayer that he gave me, you'll hear the word um, just sprinkled all throughout, just you know, all throughout um, this prayer because it's the the purpose of it is to proclaim his word. And so not all of it is exactly, you know, directly from scripture, but um, that's, that just gives you an, an overview of, of what that is. So this prayer is not about um, predicting the future or anything like that. It's sharing an encouragement. Um, it's like an, it's almost like an exhortation of sorts uh, that he gave me for myself that I'm going to give to you. So here we go. I'm going to read it. It's time. It's time to intercede again. Stop worrying and start praying. Stop prodding and probing and striving and fixing. Stop. Start praying about everything. Every single thing that causes you doubt, fear, worry, anxiety, anger, discontentment, insecurity, stress, resentment, bitterness, None of these things are from me, and I don't desire you to experience them. What I desire is peace and joy, no matter what you are facing in this life, in this fallen, broken world. Take heart. You will experience trouble, but take heart. Not, sorry, take heart. I have, I have overcome the world. Not I will overcome, but I already have. And you already have the victory. You can walk out this day and every day you face, no matter the circumstances, in complete and total victory. Not because of what you can do, but because of what I have already done on the cross. Don't forget the power of the cross, my child. The power to forgive, the power to cleanse, the power to set you free. You are waiting for strongholds 
to break when they've already been broken. Stop walking around in shackles chained to past regrets or mistakes or hurts. You have been set free. Live like it. Because when you do, people take note. They see what you are experiencing and what I what I can do, what I am doing, what I will do in spite of you and your circumstances. I am. I am your God, the God who created you and the God who loves you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Let your light shine before men so that people may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You have some work to do. You need to rest, refresh, be restored. Not with Hallmark movies or games or your phone or even sleep, which you do need to prioritize. But true Sabbath, rest. Take inventory. What is preventing you from spending that time with me that you desperately crave and you desperately need? You can't keep going at this pace. Something has got to give. You need to get your house in order and I can help you. You need only ask. You haven't asked me lately for help. Be specific about what you need. I am not like your earthly father who gives conditionally who gives only when he feels like it, or gives because he expects something in return, or gives to make himself look good, or gives secondhand gifts, or gives leftovers. I have abundant gifts to lavish on you. I am the God who created you. I formed you in your mother's womb, and you are precious in my sight. You are precious. I long to give you good things. You just need to ask. Ask believing that I will give. Believe, my child believe. It's okay to ask for big things. I have placed the desire in your heart to love, serve, and glorify me. I know your heart and I see it. I formed it and still am. I will place my right desires in your heart as long as you continue to delight in me. Start there with delight. Find out, discover how to delight in me again, daughter. What does that look like today? Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has enough trouble of its own. Focus on today, this moment, right now, in your favorite spot, our spot. Come to me. Come to me, and I will give you rest. You will find rest for your soul. Rest. Take. Ask. Believe. Receive. And rejoice always. I say it again, rejoice. So that was um, the word that I got a few months ago and the word that I read again today and it just really ministered to my heart. And um, his, it, 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 I hope it really uh, spoke to, to somebody today and that it encouraged you and edified you because that's the purpose. That's the purpose. So I'm trying to... Uh, be a good model here and be a good steward of my gift and um, and share it. So I'm sharing that with you and I hope it blesses you. Um, I want to go ahead and I've prayed a lot, but I'm going to just real quick end in prayer one more time. Uh, thank you so much, Lord, for your Holy Spirit, the power of your Holy Spirit who distributes gifts according to your will, according to uh, your power individually. Thank you, God, that we don't lack. We are, we're not lacking 
giftedness. We're all gifted. We all have something. I pray for each person listening, Lord, that you would uh, reveal to them. I pray, first of all, that they would pray, Lord, that they would um, seek you and discover, Lord, what you've placed, what beautiful, valuable, precious gifts you have placed inside of them. And I pray, Lord, that after they discover those, that you would help them to cultivate those gifts, Lord. Put them with the right people. Put them put them with the right um, resources, Lord. Put the right resources in their hands and help them to cultivate those gifts. And Father, um, show them who around them they can serve with these gifts. And I also pray for boldness, Lord. Um, when we step out, I know stepping out and sharing our gifts when we're not when we're when we're brand new even exercising them. It can be scary, Lord, but we don't have to be. We can depend on you. It's you who works in us. It's your power in us that helps us to exercise these gifts. So I pray for anybody. I, I pray against a spirit of fear, spirit of um, anxiety or doubt, uh, insecurity, Lord. Pray against all of that. Uh, and we thank you, Lord, that when we are weak, you are made strong. So even though we feel weak, even though we feel ill-equipped, Lord, we know that you are working through us and that you will receive all the more glory when that's how we feel. So uh, I just ask for um, I just ask for wisdom, I ask for grace, I ask for boldness, and we just thank you again for the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord. Holy Spirit, come. I pray for a fresh wind and a fresh fire to fall on your people. Thank you, Lord. It's in your precious, holy, perfect name, the name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. <laughs>